uh, I don't know, like, uh, just call it Reddit roulette. We're going to go through and find some interesting topics to talk about on face uh, on Facebook, on Reddit today. And, uh, just see what happens. It should be exciting. Lightning round Reddit roulette. Sure. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things MSP Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Escar, and with me always is my good friend, OG host and producer, Eric Anthony. You have so many titles now. By the end of the by the time we get done with this show in hopefully many, many years from now, it'll be OG host, uh, producer, good friend, uh, father of the bride, uh, brother-in-law, and uncle. Don't know how that works. And uh, all around nice guy. <laughs> I think we just ought to start listing them down there underneath my name. You know, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, you know, we do we do this show for the podcast uh, clients, but we also do it for YouTube as well. So if you'd rather watch us, I don't know why you'd want to watch us, but you can. Uh, and many people do. Uh, so uh, feel free to watch us over on YouTube as well. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as titles go, um, oh, don't forget, um, uh, you know, sales agent, because, you know, right. if, if, if you're a sponsor, if you're a vendor watching this show and you want to sponsor us, I'm also the guy to contact about that. So just go to atmsp.link forward slash sponsor and we'll get you hooked up. And find all our other links at atmsp.link. You'll find our, our Facebook group, our YouTube, all the other podcast places, things like that. Today, we have a great episode. Today, Eric and I have decided to play Reddit Roulette Lightning Round. Uh, Eric's going to find something from Reddit, and he's going to ask me my opinion on it, and my word is final. And then we'll move on to the next question. It's only final until I argue with you, which I'm hoping happens a lot in this show. Um <laughs> Because that's that's the only thing that's going to make it entertaining. I, just, I, like, I want to argue with you, and I just roll over going, that's true. Like, it's, it's not an argument if I just give up. The exact opposite of what we wanted to do, you know, for this show. Anyway, um, so yes, let's go ahead. I would have picked one. And by the way, this one is in your realm. Okay, we'll pick yeah. some that are more in your realm, some that are more in mine, maybe. I don't know. It's Reddit roulette, so it's whatever Reddit is putting up for the day. Anyway. Let's do it. Do it. Okay. First question. Anybody managing Macs out there, how do you handle Apple ID creation, phone number, etc.? Apple ID creation. That's actually pretty easy to do. Apple has a, a tool we call them managed Apple IDs, also known as maids. Uh, and you should be creating Apple IDs within Apple Business Manager. So if you're not an Apple consultant and you're starting to get into the Apple world, you can roll up Apple Business Manager for your clients. Uh, there's a process for them to go through. If you're in the ACN, you can work through that. There's other ways of doing it through Apple directly. And within Apple Business Manager, that's where you control where their devices are going, as in which MDM it talks to, because um, you could have a different MDM for computers versus iPhones versus iPads versus Apple TVs. You control their volume purchasing. So when you want to buy an app for the entire organization, you can do it from there and you can control managed Apple IDs. And that's what we're talking about here. So you can either do it manually or you can federate 
from Google and I think Office 365 or Azure, depending on what framing it is. And you can bring in all those IDs so they have the same username and password. So this works with Apple Business Manager. And if you happen to be taking care of a school, there's Apple School Manager. It's basically the same thing, um, different coat of paint. And there's some technical differences. Uh, if you have to take the Apple test, you'll know this. Manage Apple IDs in Business Manager, you get five gigs of storage. On School Manager, you get 200 gigs of storage. But that's how you do it. And then you can do everything from within there. Uh, so that, that, I think that was pretty easy. Good start. I, I word is final. So I'm still, <laughs> um, I, I'm still stuck on the fact that it's called MAIDS, which it's I think not. It's, it's an acronym. We've talked about it. It's I, managed, app, managed Apple IDs because it's capital M, capital A, and then ID is capital I, capital right, C. Right, right. No, I, I get it. But I'm still seeing a robotic maid that Apple is going to oh, sell yeah. us in 10 years. Uh, so I want to pull something out from this because the, the, the second line of that's or the first line below the title actually says, let me preface this post by saying we're a 99% PC shop. Mm -hmm. Okay. What is your advice for someone who is like in this situation where they only deal with Macs because shh, you have to, by the way, if you're a Windows MSP, you still have to do Macs. Otherwise, you're not going to go up market because every upmarket company I've been to, the C-suite uses Apple. Okay. Yeah. So you can't ignore it. But what's your best advice for somebody who primarily does Windows, but they need to manage those handful of Macs? Don't <laughs> call us. Um, it really, well, hold on. It depends on, it depends on two things. One, it depends on really how many we're talking about and two, how much you want to deal with them. It's very, uh, it's very easy for a lot of people. And I get this from a lot of PCMSPs and I don't mean this offensively. I get a lot of PCMSPs going, oh, I can do Macs. They're easy. And if they were so easy, I wouldn't have been in business for 15 years, let alone a lot of my friends for as long, if not longer. And it's not a matter of the computers being easy or not. It's the same thing, PC or Mac, you're dealing with the same thing, which is you're dealing with the, the end users being the problem. So let's, let's put that aside. If it's not a lot of Macs, you should still be learning how to do things for the Mac. Uh, Training.apple.com slash IT will show you the new Apple Certified Support Professional exam. There's courses there, there's... Um, uh, sample test, even if you don't take the test and get the badge from Credly, it's good to go through that stuff and understand those things. Because even a PC shop, your users are going to have iPhones and iPads, and you're going to want to know how to manage those. And you want to understand how tools work, like MZM tools, Adigy, Kanji, Mosul, Jamf, Simple MZM, things like that. You want to know how those things work. You want to understand the core concepts behind ABM, Apple Business Manager, uh, ADE, Automatic Device Enrollment, MDM, Mobile Device Management, and VPP, Volume Purchasing Program. Because those four things combined will give you the ability to manage and work with almost any Apple device that's out there and be able to take care of stuff for your clients. So start there, learn what those four things are, work with those. Get Apple Business Manager. I mean, we make it a part of our business. Any new client who comes on board, if they don't have it already, immediately are getting Apple Business Manager. You need it because it's the way how you push out apps to people. Um, you need it because you want to do managed app IDs. You do it because there's functionality that's in there that you cannot get from Intune. 
Um, if you want a basic MZM, Apple sells Apple Business Essentials. The reason I don't particularly like Apple Business Essentials, and I tell this very bluntly to the people who work at Apple, is that it only pushes out apps that are in the volume purchasing program. Zoom, for example, is not. So if you need to push Zoom, you can't use uh, Apple Business Essentials. So look at a better MZM. We're an Adigy shop for full transparency, but like I said, Mozo, Kanji, Jamf is the big one. Um, look at those and learn about mobile device management, learn about configuration profiles, things like that. You can learn all about, you can touch on it and become MDM aware with things like the Apple uh, Certified Support Professional Test. So, and as Reddit serves up a lot of different opinions, right? I was scrolling through as you were talking and uh, and I and I think I just have to point this one out because this is the attitude of many of the uh, PC-based MSPs out there, quote, or not use Apple products as much as possible, as I don't find them friendly for MSPs comparatively to Microsoft products. They're only not friendly because you haven't tried. I find this, I'll reverse that sentence. Don't use Windows products because they're not friendly for the user. The amount of Anybody. times I've gone for a client that I've opened up like Chrome and waited and pressed Chrome again and waited and pressed Chrome again. And then all of a sudden Chrome opened up four times. Like I understand how PC MSPs have jobs, right? Because Windows itself, in and itself, Windows is not a very well-made operating system and it's gotten better, you know, but I'm not here to ish on you, the MSP. I'm here to ish on the big companies. Um, I don't think, just because I'm an Apple consultant doesn't mean I'm diehard Apple, right? I mean, I am, but that's beside the point. But I have plenty of non-Apple things in the house. Um, the, the fact is, is that I still think there's a lot of things that Apple does wrong. I think currently, and you know, just to go on a complaint rant for a second, uh, if anybody remembers this, when the this this is a true story about Steve Jobs, but they do it in the movie um, where he after he gets fired from Apple and he comes back and he cuts the entire line down to four products. He makes that quadrant on the whiteboard: home, pro, desktop, mobile. Four products. He cut the entire. This is going back years. He cut the Performa, the Central, the Quadra, all of those things. And now, years after he's no longer with us. I look at the iPad line, for example, and you have the iPad Air, the iPad Mini, the iPad Air V2, the iPad Pro, the iPad I, iPad itself. They're diluting the thing again. And I'm very much against that because it makes it very hard for us to understand what product's what and the right one for the right person. So I'm not complaining about you, the PCMSP, or me, the Mac MSP. I'm complaining about Microsoft. I'm complaining about Apple. Apple is very good at what it does. The software does what it's supposed to do to a point, but that's where we come in. Same thing on Windows. So I wouldn't complain that it's one thing. And also, you know, there's that driving force. A CEO sees another CEO with a Mac product. They're going to want a Mac product. It's just how it is. How many times has someone seen a new Apple product go, oh, that looks awesome. I want that. So yeah. don't go off that. Learn both sides. Even if Apple's not your core, your core crux, or for the Apple consultants who are listening, PC is not your core crux, understand the basics of how it works and being able to manage it. We do plenty of PC stuff. It's maybe 
a tenth of their, our entire fleet. But like, we had to learn how to use Datto or Ninja or Enable. So learn it because you want to learn it. And it's going to make you a better technician, diagnostician. It might not make you a better business person, but at least gives you the edge to be able to help. Or at worst case, figure out that you don't know what you're doing and know who to call. Yeah. And, you know, I'll just go back to the, you know, what I, I've said for a long time and I got it from Dave Sobel, but, um, you know, a good MSP solves technical problems. A really good MSP solves business problems. A great MSP contributes to the bottom line. Yeah. So I have another one. You ready? Let's go. All right. Uh, this is actually one that I commented on earlier today. <laughs> so this is kind of an ethical one. Okay. So we don't have to go the Apple versus PC yep. route this time. We, you know, this one is, is straight up ethics. Um, working on other customers while scheduled for another. Now I'm going to add a couple of things to this okay. so that we can talk about some, some different situations while scheduled for another was, is kind of vague. So let's compare on-site versus remote work and talk about those two different situations separately. Okay. Thoughts? If you're doing it remotely, I don't think it matters as long as you can keep clear communication. There's been plenty of times where I've been on a Zoom with one client and remoting into another client doing something at the same time. But that is a trained and learned skill set. Um, on site, that is a bit of a problem. If you're scheduled to go on site to work with a client, unless it's an emergency, I think the person who's calling you, you have to say, hey, I'm with somebody. I need to call you back. If it is an emergency, you need to go to the client you're with and say, hey, I have an emergency with another client. Um, I'm going to deal with this real quick. I'm going to pause your billing because I'm not going to bill you for the time I'm here. I'm not working on your stuff. And they will understand because they expect that when they call you with an emergency, you're going to do the same for them. So as long as you are very clear and, uh, and concise about it and you explain things very clearly to whoever you're talking to, especially if you're in person, I think then it's okay to a degree, right? Um, you should not be on site at a client billing them while doing something else. Um, I understand that like a lot of times we're waiting for things to install and you're like, Oh, while I'm at it, let me just go, you know, help two other clients while I'm waiting. I don't, from an ethics perspective, I don't feel that that's right. Have I done it before? Yes. Um, but I don't feel that that's the right thing to do because you want your clients to believe that you care about them all the time and that you're not sidelining them for something else. Um, because that'll affect you and your business in the long run. There's yep. my, there's my piece. So I, I agree. Uh, my thing is it's all about setting expectations, right? Mm -hmm. I believe that if you're on site, you should be on site for that client. Okay. Now emergencies happen. You explain it, you step away. That's fine. You stop the clock for the on-site client, whatever. But my mindset is if they're paying you for on-site service, mm -hmm. which you should be charging more for, by the way, it should be focused, dedicated service. That's, that's just me. That's the way I would do it. Now, remote, 
it's different. I think everybody expects you to be multitasking while you're working remotely. You're installing patches on a server over here while you're remoted in trying to figure out why somebody can't open their, um, you know, Outlook profile over here. You know, that's just because those are outcome based, right? And it also depends on what your service model is. If your managed services and the remote work is free, client doesn't care, right? It's all outcome based because they pay one price for that. But again, if it's on site and on site's not included in your managed services, then that's that's one case, right? Now, if on site is included in your managed services, which I don't suggest, but that again, personal opinion, on site services, if they're included in your managed services, would follow the same rule, right? Because they're not paying you for your time, they're paying you for an outcome. And that's really where I make the ethical decision is are they paying me for an outcome or are they paying me for my time? And that's- I can see your, I, I see your point. I, I, I wanna disagree with the, on the onsite one only because they'll, they're gonna see you working about, they'll, they'll, they, there's a chance that they might see you working on another client's things and they the client would probably get upset because you're not dedicating your time, even though it's free, you're not dedicating your time. And again, this is this is very dependent on where you are. In New York City, if you're not focused on that one client, they're gonna fire you on the spot because that's just the nature of that of that area. But in, you know, I don't know, Salt Lake City, Utah might not be so bad. So I think there's I, I disagree with you a little bit on the on-site one. I think you should be focused on the client unless you already set that expectation, which we talked about. Um I'm not going to disagree that it's outcome based versus time based. I'm just going to disagree with if they catch you doing some, you know, working on somebody else's, they're going to question it and they're going to question your, your, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like dedication, loyalty. Yeah, it's going to fall somewhere in that. The, your loyalty to the client. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't, I actually don't disagree with that, right? There is going to be a perception that you have to be cognizant of. Yeah. Like you have to understand that that perception that Justin just described is a very real possibility. And you have to weigh that against how much you're going to try and do on site. I almost said get away with, which, <laughs> which kind of speaks to how it's going to be thought of. Right. I mean, yeah. that that's your, it looks like it, it feels like, and that's what this Reddit, I mean, uh, I do. But, have a, I have a story about this actually. I, I went to. A, I had a client who's uh, based in Florida, and I went down for them for two days. And on my lunch break, which I never really take a lunch break, I was on the phone with another client, having a conversation with them in the client in the client who I was at in their conference room. And the person who was in charge of IT at the end of the the next day pulled me aside and was like, "Hey, they heard you talking to another client while you're here. You know, why am I paying for your time if you're here?" And I was like. That's fair. You're right. But I was on my lunch break, number one. And number two, I stayed until 7.30 p.m. when you booked me until 5. I'm not charging you that extra time. And he goes, no, nope, conversation's over. You're good to go. Right? There was the expectation, even though it was set in post. So, like, you can get in trouble. They can catch you. You just need to set those those expectations in place. So it does happen from time to time, you know? Yeah. And... For me, I would make sure that whatever your policy is, 
is set out in your managed services agreement so that they get it in writing up front. Right. And if they have a problem with it, you can discuss it before they sign. And take it up with my lawyers. Well, there's, you know, you can always redline something. Uh, well, we, we'll bring Brad Gross on. He'll tell you that you shouldn't redline an MSA, but we'll have that conversation another day. All right, what's next? What's next? I didn't look for another next because I was hoping you'd go on a rant for a while. Um, anyway, so yeah, let's go find the next one. All right, so let's do this one. Books for project management. Ooh, I like um, because project management is one of those things that a lot of MSPs, technicians turned entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen the other episodes, read the E-Myth, you'll understand. Um, project management is more of a business type thing than mm -hmm. the technical stuff that we're used to. And very often, good project management can not only... Uh, just make the experience and the satisfaction of the customer better, but it'll actually add to your profit margin. Yeah. So um, what's your experience, Justin, with, with project management? And they do mention a couple of books in here. Yeah. And the one that they mention is, I love that book. It's called the Phoenix project. And if you haven't read it, do read it. I make it mandatory for every employee who comes on board. Actually part of our employee onboarding package, we send everybody a virtual hoodie and a copy of this book. Um, the project, the, the Phoenix project is about, is, is really a DevOps story, but it's all about project management. I'll give you the layout. Uh, day one, a mid-level IT person is now made CTO of the company. And six hours later, the CEO calls them into the office and says, we're three weeks late on the Phoenix project. And it's all your fault. And the guy's like, I've only been in this role for six hours. And the rest of the book is him breaking through, figuring out where problems exist how to get through them and how to lay them out properly through the guise of a project management. Um, I love the concept of project management. Um, I don't love the concept of project management as software, to be honest. I've tried a lot of project management software and I find that like I fall out of it really, really quickly enough. Honestly, like I love me a good Kanban board. It's old, it works, it makes sense. I don't like Trello, which is a digital Kanban board. I like an actual Kanban board. Like for those who don't know what a Kanban board is, it was a it's a it's a just-in-time project management solution that was invented, I want to say, from the Toyota company Japan, uh, like in the early 1900s. And the idea is you have three columns: to do, doing, and done. And you literally write what you need to get done on a to-do list. And as it's being done, as it's getting through, you move it to the doing. And when it's done, it's done. And then you take it off the board. It is an easy way to manage your projects because you just list everything that needs to be done. Now, granted, it doesn't allow you that granularity that a lot of project management software does. ClickUp, which is what our organization uses, you know, you have your task and you have your subtasks and you have assignments and you have all these things and due dates and blah, blah, blah. And you can make waterfalls and all these pretty pictures and things like that. I use it as a to-do list, to be honest. It's getting done, and it and then it's done. So I, the project management is a solid, solid read um, for project management skills. Um, there's a second book uh, by the same guys. I don't think it hit as hard within the, within our industry as the Phoenix Project did. Um, but do I think it's called the Unicorn Project. Uh, do check that out. 
And I'm sure that Eric's going to have a whole list of books. But I also would suggest you go to LinkedIn Learnings and do some LinkedIn Learnings on project management as Did well. Did you read ahead? Conceptualize. No, no, no. I literally, like, I, I, I've been trying to become a better uh, manager and business owner. And so I've been doing a lot of LinkedIn Learning. And I have project management as one of my, like, paths in LinkedIn Learning. Um, so for those who don't like reading, uh, which is probably the majority of us, and want to listen or watch a video, LinkedIn Learning, which I think is free as well. Um, so those those are going to be my two recommendations. It has been decided. So, by the way, that was that is the and I think this is ordered by you know the the most uh, upvoted comments, right? And so the mm -hmm. most upvoted comment is not a book, but LinkedIn does have some good learning modules. Nice. on Lean Six Sigma, which Kanbans are a part of, right? Right, uh, right. Kanbans are something that is taught in Lean Six Sigma. Um, I was first introduced to them, uh, for any of you who know me, I took a little detour in my career. I mean, I was still a CIO, but I did a lot more than that for this company. Uh, it was a pool table company. They manufactured uh, pool tables. And so it was a man it, you know manufacturing floor. And I actually built a software system, a database to track how things moved through the factory. And we used a, a digital Kanban to do that. Um, I love Kanbans. Uh, my CRM is the pipeline is done in Kanban format. Um, now I, because for those of you who didn't see, uh, because you're listening to this podcast like you should be instead of watching it on YouTube, uh, youtube.com forward slash at all things MSP, uh, like subscribe, do all the things. But what you didn't see if you were listening instead of watching was I thumbed up on Kanban boards because I love Kanban boards. Now, he dissed, he dissed my Trello. I didn't diss <laughs> And, um... I just like, I like Trello because it's simple, but it allows you to keep a lot of notes inside of it. Um, I mean, I kind of get where, where Justin is going because Justin likes the very simple, but organized three board, you know, to do, doing and done. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. I'm a simple and, man. I like simple pleasures. Well, and you probably like the tactile piece of having a physical board. Yeah. Right or wrong. Yeah. You actually put sticky notes on a whiteboard somewhere when you're doing Kanban. Yeah. See? Yeah. How did I know? I also, for the same record, I also don't have a whiteboard. I will grab whiteboard markers and I draw all over windows. Like yeah. the actual windows of my house, glass doors and things like that. I, I don't have those in this room. I, I had to settle because... Strangely enough, like every vertical surface of this room is covered with something because um, I collect shit like pirate posters. But, you know, I so I had to buy a rolling one, which kind of sucks. But but that's why for many things I have to go digital. Right. I use Trello if I'm doing that type of work. Uh, I tried ClickUp. Didn't like it so much. I don't know why. I kind of liked it at first. It just I. It didn't latch on like some other things. But then my other tool of choice that I love, which is what I would use a whiteboard for, is Miro. Um, Miro is a great whiteboarding system. 
uh, it works really well. And uh, sometimes what I'll do is I'll actually put it up on my larger TV here in the office so that it looks like a whiteboard even. And right. the other cool thing is it's real time. Now, it's kind of a problem with it too because you can't work on it offline. You have to be online to work it. But yeah. I can stand here with my iPad and be moving things around on the whiteboard and it shows it on the screen on my TV going through my Mac. So I know we're getting off topic, but no, no, no. I think my problem with all of these software is, is that like, I'm the kind of person who needs to have it right in my face in order to remind me to get stuff done. And if it's on a web page, it's not in my face. And I really don't want to go back to having 45 monitors, you know, with all this, with a full screen web page for, you know, my ClickUp or my Miro or whatever to add another, another thing. I think having the tactile, and again, this is just me and everyone's different, you know, the, having the, the tactile one, I don't need to have to worry about having that page open and accidentally quitting Chrome. You know what I mean? Like that's why, the, oh, the answer is like, have it in a different web browser. That's not an answer. That's, that's a workaround. Um, yeah. And so I think that's my, that's my biggest problem with a lot of these softwares, you know, even with ClickUp, I have it as an app. It's in my log. It's in my login items. So like, it's supposed to launch when I launch my computer, and then I immediately just close it. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. You you are absolutely correct that if it exists in the physical world, it is much more in your face. Yeah. Than if it's digital, and I like when I first took my last gig. Um, I did my first 90 days in Trello. Like I had a 90 day plan. I put it in Trello. I had actually multiple boards cause I was in charge of multiple things. And so I worked through that 90 days through those Kanban boards, but the hardest part was exactly what you're talking about. I had to discipline myself to open them up every day and check them and work them every single day. And I will tell you, after that 90 days, I did drop it. Right. That's the problem. I be I was thinking about this as you were talking. I was like, if someone wants to send me like a nice flat, like a thin flat screen TV to mount to that wall right over there, and I'll put it vertically with a Mac Mini and a keyboard and mouse and keep it open all the time, I would love it for it to be, because I was just thinking like, oh my God, if I was Iron Man, I'd make it so I can just use my Apple Pencil right on the thing. Like that would be dope. And I would keep it open and have it there in front of my face. But the ability to close it means it's going to be out of my sight, out of my, out of sight, out of my. But at the same time, there's a, a good theory when it comes to getting things done, GTD, called the trusted system, yep. and and going back to project management is finding that trusted system and sticking with it. I think I stuck with Todoist as my trusted system for the long time of time. I gave that up because our company was moving to ClickUp, and I thought ClickUp could be a replacement for it. Um, I had a sauna in between those two also. None of those stick. My to-do list is in my notes app or written on my notebook. Just so, there. yeah, I'm, I'm, so I have a story that's very similar, but different. Okay. Because, and same thing to do, like to do problem, like mm -hmm. my to-do list and my notes and my other types of lists, like what I need to buy from Amazon or what I need to, you know, get from Home Depot. I love paper. I love a journal. Okay. 
here's here's the one that I was using. Right here, baby. Yep, exactly. It was very hard, very hard for me to move away from this. I love bullet, the bullet journaling method. Yeah. Right. So I did. I, I I bullet journaled probably for five years. I have five years worth of bullet journals. The problem is my bullet journal isn't with me all the time. Yeah. And I never liked the ones where you scanned the pages and it made them electronic, you know, because you can do that with like Evernote. So I started using, oh shoot, GoodNotes. Oh yeah, GoodNotes is great. I love because that. GoodNotes I can use on my Mac, Yep. on either of my iPads, because I'm yeah. bougie like that, because I have I have a mini and a and a full size. I do not have a pro. I don't need a pro. I don't need that kind of power. Um, because with great power comes great responsibility. Boom. Um, <laughs> anyway, go back to our origins episodes and you'll That's get those. <laughs> um, and it's on my phone, right? Yeah. So if I'm in Home Depot, all the stuff that I wrote down on my iPad last Saturday when I was measuring out the room or whatever, I have on my phone. And so... I love the fact that I now have that same information that I used to keep in my bullet journal with me at all times in a searchable format. Yeah. But I still miss, and, and yes, I still get to handwrite, right? Because GoodNotes is a handwriting app, but it's not the same. I still, in fact, there'll be a new series coming out sometime in the future. I'm working on the basics of it now on how I transition from using a bullet journal for my daily activities to using a bullet journal for actually journaling. Um, so just a little uh, sneak preview of that. My thing with good, I, I do like good notes. My thing with good notes is that my handwriting is atrocious. Good notes did not help it get any better. And I miss that. I just have a thing with that scratch. I don't know. Maybe it's my neurodivergency, but that scratch really like does well for my ears that that scritchy scratch that you get. They should add that as a feature as like a, like turn on, turn off ability of like, do you want to make it sound like a pencil on paper? That would yeah. Be, I mean, I, some would... of them try with the, um, with the screen protector. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that feels like paper, but it does not make the sound. Right. The other thing is I watched a lot of videos before I, before I settled in good notes, I, I did watch a lot of videos on like being productive and how to do things better. One of them was about good notes and the person who was doing the video had this amazing handwriting and they were laying things out with colors and all these things and i was like oh i should totally adopt this and i try to like do what that person did and i was like i can't draw i can't write i my handwriting is garbage and so my good notes look like good notes like it was just horrible and it just made me feel worse about myself um at least i know if i'm writing on a piece of paper uh i'm already expecting that my handwriting to be horrible so i know it's not a book but uh phoenix project is a great book LinkedIn learning be um, and find a project management software of your choosing. And the, the key to this is stick with it. Don't give it up after two weeks. You have to, you have to go with it for 90 days. Like Eric said, and then make the decision, you know, do you want to pivot or not? Yeah. And so I think uh, a good question to kind of end this all on and get some audience participation here, because I think this could be a whole nother episode is what you say that the episode, by the way, but that's okay because we need more episodes, Justin. Um, 
by the way, we do have more guests coming on. Don't worry. Uh, this was just a fluke week and where we didn't, you know, nobody signed up to be a guest. You can, you too can be a guest on the All Things MSP podcast, atmsp.link forward slash podcast. Anyway, I think a relevant topic would be, because we always talk about the tech tools. We always talk about our RMMs or our MDMs, you know, our firewalls and, and all of this stuff, the technical stuff. We don't often talk about the business tools that we're using. And yeah. I think it's relevant, right? Because yeah. we all struggle, uh, you know, or did at some point with sales. If you don't have a good CRM, you know, they're too cheap not to have one now. Really? Yeah. Like, I think I pay $12 a month for Biggin, <laughs> which I know it's a funny name, but it gives you a Kanban board for your pipelines. Oh, okay. Nice. And yeah. and I do like it. It has some good integrations. It's by Zoho. Um, but I think that would make a good episode. So if you're using these types of tools, if you're using ClickUp or Trello or any of these things, how are you using them? Comment down below. If you want to come on the podcast and talk about how you use one of those because you think you just use it awesome, which, by the way, I suspect a lot of you are, uh, we'd love to have a chat about it on the show. Yeah. Sign up. ATMSP.link slash podcast. podcast. Sign up. We want to hear from you. We want to. This is like MSP therapy. Uh, well, I think that's a good note to end this on. Uh, I promise everybody will do better next time. That's what I make my promise every time. I saw I what you did doing, there. I think we're doing good with that. Uh, as always, go to facebook.com slash group slash all things MSP. Follow along there to get more than just the podcast. You get the entire access to the group, all the other videos that Eric's putting out there. Go to youtube.com slash all things MSP. Again, to find all our videos, including this one, you can see my pretty face. Listen to our podcast on all your favorite podcasting apps, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google, Google, uh, SoundCloud, uh, your mama's podcast, wherever, wherever you're listening to podcasts, we're there. Leave a comment, please review, even if you leave one star. This way, at least I know you're listening. Uh, and uh, yeah, follow along. This is going to be a fun journey. See everybody next time. Bye.